Wait, I need to do a thing. Can you do an eyebrow raise? Or one? Wait, maybe it's lift your neck up. I think this is wrong. Never mind. <laughs> what are you doing to me? You trying to figure so, out how old I am? Yeah. Somebody told me that people have lines and like for every one is a decade. No, that's not true. That's trees. Welcome back to the Hauntsville Cryptcast, everybody. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. And today we're here to talk about the monsters next door, the real-life monsters, serial killers. This is something that I thought was interesting for us to want to wanna cover, because it's become more sensationalized and uh, than I ever really expected it to be. You picked a nicer word than I would have picked. <laughs> what were you going to say? I am uh, at the point where I think this whole serial killer thing has just been fetishized. I, I get that, and... It, there's definitely uh, a big boom and uptick in, in true crime and serial killers to begin with, but it's it's gotten to the point where it, it's beyond interesting for me. And like cases where I have had interest in the past, I've fallen off. <laughs> I hate to say this, but like serial killer like fetishists ruined these these things for me. This like sort of like niche interest that I I thought I had, and it's it's making me angry the way that some people view these people who were actual people who were true and genuine monsters and i think they're going about it the wrong way well i think it's one thing to be interested in like criminology and the forensic side of it and like the actual psychology of it but it's another thing to i don't know fantasize about it worship them and like treat them like they're celebrities that's where it's crossing the line from being an interest into being just ridiculous it's definitely a crazy thing how much it's it's peaked recently but it's not anything new i mean the crazy thing is you have these serial killers who were caught and were locked up and at the times that they were they're receiving marriage proposals in jail they're receiving love letters they're receiving praise after what they've done from regular people who are just hearing the story oh yeah and like that's not like like that, th- I totally get that. Like people will always be like that, and I, that I, I don't understand. But um, it's now the sort of like romanticized view that directors are putting into film adaptations of these uh, quote unquote biographies of these people, and it like oddly humanizes them in a way that I can't get on board with because I can't separate. Uh, the, the serial killer aspect of this person from them being a genuine person. It's, it's, it's too much for me. I think um, the genuine human element does give it a little bit of an edge and does make it a little bit scarier in the sense that, like, this person can be anyone. This person can be the monster next door. But I think there's a difference between making them human and making them protagonists. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. We're at a point now where, like, we just got hit with two ted bundy films i guess in this year alone one of them being the bundy tapes which are a to the record expression of the actual court cases and everything leading up to his capture and his arrest 
Uh, and then we got hit with, I am never going to remember the name of this film because it's just so many words. Oh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile? That one, starring <laughs> Zac Efron as Hot Ted Bundy. Is that um, really what it's called? Yes. Yeah. Well, oh it's my because, gosh. Um, it's a quote taken directly from the judge that convicted him and sentenced him to death to describe him, that he found him extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. He seems like a really nice description of him. Oh, yeah, fucking Like, considering it. what he he did, I think that's actually a very nice compliment from them. Oh, yeah. Like, I would have, wouldn't have used words that nice. I mean, it truly is uh, an accurate and beautiful description. Like, that judge knew what was fucking up. <laughs> so, did you guys watch the Bundy tapes? I haven't. I okay. can't break myself to watch them, no. Yeah, I know, I know we talked about it, and it's like, it's, it's a tough watch. It is... Um, it's produced by the same guy that directed Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And so, like, this guy is making his career off of Ted Bundy now. And I I watched the Bundy tapes and the long title that which will not be named. The the tapes as a serialized version is a lot better than than the movie, in my opinion. I mean, I think when you get to a point where you can do something episodically, there is room for more facts. Exactly. And it, that's what it is. It's, it's rooted more in fact than, you know, uh, as a, uh, hesitate to say fiction, but it's um, less fantastical. And it's it's more to the book, like, this is what happened, and they break it down very clearly. And uh, it's it's more informative, whereas the purpose of the movie, in my opinion, I think, is to entertain. And it's it's a fine movie. It operates fine. Fucking whatever. Uh, Zac Efron is is phenomenal. He he does a great, great job portraying Dead Bundy. Dead Bundy. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> I can't get away from this we shit. We need Dead Bundy t-shirts. <laughs> so he, play, he plays Ted Bundy very well. And from my my limited knowledge and from seeing like courtroom footage and uh, his confession tapes and like actual footage of Ted Bundy, he captures him like near perfectly. And that I thought was great. He gives a, a wonderful, chilling performance. But that's where it kind of ends for me because they're taking the girlfriend's novel. Right. Right. It's uh, she was keeping like a, a diary or something. That's where it kind of falls apart because there uh, she has a, a firsthand view, which is a different take on it that you don't see in some of the other uh, iterations of the Ted Bundy discussion. But the movie isn't in they don't tell you this isn't entirely taken from her her writings. And it takes from uh, other sources outside of her personal life. So it's like her story with padded facts thrown in to kind of you know fill fill the movie out a little bit and that kind of took away from the experience for me of getting a new perspective exactly because it's like it's the same takes that i've gotten hundreds and hundreds of times slapped in and stitched into something that could have been interesting i wish this was i, I guess shorter and, and more and more concise and it's just like i don't know it didn't do it for me and i read a review that I absolutely re uh, agree with. They said Joe Berlinger, Berlinger, I can't pronounce his name, <laughs> uh, who was the director. Um, he seems almost as hypnotized by Ted Bundy as, you know, his victims and the people 
uh, in these stories about Ted Bundy. And that's what it really seems like. It's almost comes off as like a fan film, like in dedication to like, Ooh, Ted Bundy, I love you so much. Will you accept me now? Here is this to you. <laughs> and it just, it, it that's what it, it felt like to me. And it, it made me feel the genuinely disgusted, which if you're making a movie about Ted Bundy and that's how I come out feeling, then maybe you did a good job, but it, it's the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that fine line between this is a real thing and it has real victims and real consequences. Whereas like if this were a film made based off of Ted Bundy and we have a character who is a new, you know, fantastical serial killer or whatever, but given all these real elements, then I can understand coming out of there and being like, okay, like I understand this character and I'm coming out of there with a sense of understanding like it almost pits you to root for them because that's your protagonist. And that's we won't mention them by name, but a couple of our friends ha- had watched it and they were immediately on his side. And that Ugh. was it, it made me very uncomfortable because yeah. they were saying I remember that conversation. Um, they were saying like, oh, you know, uh, he he didn't kill her. He he loved her. He told her all about this. But I don't I don't yeah. think that's right. And that doesn't take the away from the fact that he still was this person and quick doza opinions corner. <laughs> I think he just wanted to tell her, to let her know that he was doing this, this whole time. It's that validation. Exactly. You see that in a lot of cases. If that's your friend's idea of romance, like it's just like I tell anyone who likes Joker and Harley, like you really should stay away from relationships and people in general until you get that out of your head as being romantic oh, like totally yeah oh i'm a killer but but he told her so it's fine like it's sweet she wanted to do it with him like it ugh. it invokes that florence nightingale syndrome where like you're rooting for the less broken one because you think that that character will have a chance to fix the other one yeah. which anyone who thinks that it's okay to go into a relationship thinking i can fix this person stop dating until you have fixed yourself because you're you're wrong and you're just gonna end up either being killed or doing some sort of psychological damage to someone else sorry that's my dating advice for everyone i just got teary-eyed i was like yeah thank you (laughs) (laughs) i will work on me (laughs) another thing like where um people talk about how hot ted bundy was all the time and i think He's not even that good looking, no. um, which which kind of irks me. And I think they're they're finding some sort of uh, attraction in his actions rather than him as a person. Um, but I dislike that they chose Zac Efron to play him because Zac Efron is fucking hot. Because like I grew up and I, I watched High School Musical and I was like, I don't understand. But then I watched that movie that came out a couple of years ago where he and Seth Rogen were neighbors. I think it was called The Hot Efron Next Door. <laughs> and <laughs> Close. That thing is called The Neighbors. I don't think so. I was like, oh, homeboy looked good. And that was um, an interesting moment for me. Uh, but then they got him to play Ted Bundy. And like he plays creepy really well. But I, it's, I think it was a weird take to make him... So hot, he does kind of look like him, though, which is fucking weird in the face parts. <laughs> but, like, that's, that's where it becomes a problem, because we're at a point in our lives, like, in, in the world, where we can put Zac Efron and Ted Bundy 
standing next to each other and say, which one is hotter? And some people will go, um, and then pick Ted Bundy. That fucks me up. Yeah. I don't think there's any serial killers that were actually like hot. But the thing is like, even like, like Richard Ramirez, everyone fell in love with him. Like he's fucking gross. He got so many letters and like, he got married while he was in jail. And like he just had loads of adoring fans. I mean, so did Charles Manson. Like it, it's nothing. And look at Charles Manson. Like yeah. it's nothing to do with what they look like. There are just some really sick and weird people who think, like, I'm sorry, I'm not even actually, I'm not sorry for saying sick and weird, <laughs> sick and weird people who think that there is something romantic or like appealing about people who go and kill other people and that's really they they should be the ones in jail too yeah it's it's super hard to to watch this kind of stuff because like a lot of these serial killers are charming people and they're they're sociopaths and they just they know how to manipulate people and that and it works for them and uh, again that's where zach efron really excels in this because like you can you know that he's Ted Bundy, so you know that he's bullshitting. But every like sweet thing that he says is just like has you fucking twirling your hair in your fingers. You're like, hoo hoo, tee And like the thought that that was like a real person using it to his advantage to to take advantage of these uh, women and and murder them is is at the very pit of my soul disgusting. And I, I came out of this and I was like, I don't want to see. Like that that side of uh, of Ted Bundy, the glorification of it. Yes, and they're they're blowing it way out of proportion, and that I think is doing more harm than it is good. By in, uh, this should be informative, exclusively informative. Right. I mean, and entertaining and informative can go hand in hand, but it's the glorification of it that takes it to that extreme where like. I don't so much mind that they cast Zac Efron. If Zac Efron gave a killer performance, then by all means, a great casting. If he embodied this real-life human being and he is playing him the way that he's meant to be playing him, then by all means, fine. I get that, like, on the list of serial killers, Ted Bundy may have been one of the more who can be considered conventionally attractive, and that was part of his killing was luring people in with his sociopathic charm and being considered conventionally attractive at the time and he was also he was tricking people he was playing on their sympathies yeah so like i get casting a relatively attractive actor relatively, relatively is such a weak versus word. zach efron that's my point it's like you cast somebody who's not zach efron who i'm not like okay like i get it i'd do it but I think that's where that fetishization comes in. We're focusing more on the human elements and the day-to-day life and less on the facts of the situation and the actual killings. So we're being put in a position where we're expected to sympathize. And I know we're ragging on Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close or whatever (laughs) the title of this film is, but we just got this two fucking years ago with my friend Dahmer, which... (laughs) It tried to do exactly what this did and put some sympathy toward real life every day. Jeffrey Dahmer and tried to give you like, hey, he's just like a normal guy and he did some bad stuff. But 
from a film standpoint, it's pandering and boring and not informative or interesting. I'm so glad you said boring because they managed to find a way to make a guy that was creating zombies and eating people boring. It was it was not fun to watch. I didn't learn anything new that I wouldn't have picked up just by like offhandedly hearing about or having a general conversation with anyone about their baseline knowledge of Jeffrey Dahmer. Exactly. And it just like as a movie, it's weak as a movie presenting itself as a a biography. It's weak. And I just like Anthony said, it came out two years ago. I one forgot that I watched it and two forgot that it had even come out. And I, cause I when, hadn't even heard of it until you guys just said it. Yeah, it's 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 pointless. There's, there's no reason for it to exist. I think it was trying to pick up like on the true crime boom. And it was like, oh, you know, this is what the audience wants. This is one of like the the big three American serial killers that everybody talks about being Bundy, Dahmer and Gacy. But there, there's so much more out there. So many more interesting cases that, you know, deserve recognition because Interesting cases, cold case files specifically. Like, I get that we like these psychological breakdowns of real people who did monstrous things. That's always going to be interesting. Right. Well, Um, you say always, but then Dahmer just fucking Well, yeah. (laughs) My friend Dahmer is a poor example of that. People like Ed Gain are actually very interesting, though. Yes. Psychological breakdowns, but... I don't know whether to consider him a a serial killer, because he killed, like, two people. But, like... So was that true? Yeah, it was only two two women that he killed. But he used to go grave robbing, and all of the stuff in his house is made out of corpses that he would go and dig up in the cemetery. I learned something new today. Thank you for that. Because <laughs> like, in my mind, I know he's got a belt made of human nipples, and I'm like, yeah. you can't make that with two people. No, Small he only belt. killed he only two, killed two women, um, and I think one of them it was because they found out something about him but no he was he was just robbing corpses and making like decorations for his house basically he had bowls made of skulls he had his um like vertebrae lampshade he had um (laughs) lips that he used as like the pull on his lamps um he had the the nipple belt like you said um and he most of his house was just decorated with human skin and he had suits that he wore as well made out of human skin and he said that he was trying to like recreate his mum out of woman's skin so that he could live in his mum's skin to keep her alive and obviously that's where we get like psycho from and also leatherface is based on but i think at at the point where you just brought up two fictional characters who have become the like ultimate in horror media leatherface and uh norman Norman bates Bates. i mean we know those names (laughs) and i'm anthony three times for what (laughs) is it three yeah i haven't been a kid since uh, probably 20 years now so anthony 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 thank you to go back off of what anna had mentioned about bringing in two big horror names that are based off of a real killer we're at a point where First of all, I hate that we're at a point where Anna can give us that information by using terms like just and only to describe how many real lives were lost to this sick human being. 
Um, that's how desensitized we are to these things at this point. I barely have feelings anymore about anything. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, I think in the situation of Ed Gein, there's maybe one or two films that are specifically based on Ed Gein. And then we got a slew of characters in horror who take these real life scenarios and remove you from it to give you something new. They show you that this is something real. This is something that really happened based on a true story without going into the gory details. So we can be entertained. We can get to know Norman Bates. We can do a psychological breakdown of him and his family life and the killings without taking ourselves past that line where we're no longer humanizing a human event. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to use them as like inspiration for a film because i mean there's so many films in horror that are based on things that have actually happened or based on serial killers and things like that and it's easy for people in the horror community to become obsessed with true crime because they do they do somewhat go hand in hand so i do understand that there are a lot of horror fans out there who are obsessed with learning about serial killers and all the horrible things that people do. But there's nothing wrong with loving true crime. It's just the way that it's presented. You get podcasts like My Favorite Murder who present it beautifully. And then you get My Friend Dahmer and Long-Winded Words or whatever. They do nothing for us. Right. There's a difference between informing and using it to inspire something in horror. But... There are a lot of shops and like creators in the horror community that create work or sell merchandise that just has like serial killers' faces on them and things like that. And I mean, to be fair, we did just say we were going to make a dead Bundy shirt. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, but... he got God. He got what he but got. But the, it's it's not romanticizing is, him. Yeah, the thing is, some of the merchandise is like fair enough. But then there's some of it where it's like, I mean, you can get a serial killer clock where every face on, like every time on the clock is a different serial killer's face. There is a whole website that is just dedicated to selling like serial killer t-shirts, serial killer mugs, things like that. Um, And some of them just have like really ridiculous like slogans on them that basically suggests that there's some sort of celebrity. And the problem is that, like, I was saying this to Anthony the other day, if you think of the people that you love the most in the world... You guys. And imagine that we got killed. No! By I don't like this This game. really horrible person who raped, murdered, tortured us. And then after we die, no one remembers who we are, but they worship the person who killed us put him on t-shirts and say, oh my God, but don't you feel sorry for him because he had such a bad childhood? And that's what I don't think people are are really understanding when they say that they love a serial killer, what that effect that's going to have on the victim's families who are still alive. It wasn't that long ago, most of these cases. And so can you imagine what it feels like watching someone walking around with a t-shirt of the face of the person who killed someone in your family or someone that you loved? 
have you guys seen the town that dreaded sundown yes no two films uh of the same name i think in 76 one in 2014 um i thought they were both great uh 2014 is fine give, give it a shot if you just haven't seen the original in a while and you're just looking to watch something um Oh, shit, I think that was going to be my recommendation. Anyway, fuck it. They're uh, a dramatic retelling of the Texarkana Moonlight Murders that took place here in Texas, here in the States, between uh, February and May in 46, I believe. And uh, when the movie came out in the 70s, there were still people, uh, like family members of the victims that were alive at that point that had seen the movie come out and filed lawsuits for... Uh, the way that their relatives were depicted in this movie, because they are actors playing real people. And so there are families that have come out and said, like, look, I don't like the way that you're portraying uh, my friend, my sister, my daughter that had to come out. And that that's just one instance of the families of these victims, like how, how they are affected by, by stuff like this. And this that was in. 76 and now we're in 2019 there are still people that were affected by these serial killers within the last just 30 years that are are, are still alive and still ha- have you know fe- feelings about this and it does uh, carry a lot further than a lot of people i think realize that brings up another really important point if we're gonna sit here and make these realistic you know, serial killer depictions where we're trying to get to know the day to day of the killer and humanize them and empathize with them, then give us more humanity in the victims because these victims were real people and they get chalked down to just caricatures. Yeah. Which is so disappointing because like it just shows that like from the director's standpoint, you are meant to be rooting for the killer. Exactly. It's as much their story as it is the the serial killer story and that that's not addressed as much as i think it needs to be that's why i think that one of the shortcomings of the town that dreaded Suntown has is um the the killer was never apprehended we don't know who it is there are theories um it does make it hard to make a film with a concise beginning middle and end with no apprehended exactly suspect but it was just like i wish they had taken more time to look into the lives of the these these victims and their families, like the real people involved, rather than focusing on this enigmatic figure who is killing people with a bag over his head. <laughs> In real life, we don't know who it was. We don't know anything about him. So, like, why not take the time to do the research where you can? I mean, that brings up one of my favorite films that I think does this well enough. Zodiac. The Zodiac Killer. Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Another hot boy. Star-studded cast. Everybody does a great job portraying real-life police staff. Yep. We're not so focused on the killer that we lose sight of the real officers and detectives on the case and the real victims dying in these situations. It is a little graphic. Uh, I think they did a good job of making it real to the extent that we emote with the victims more than the killer. 
um, real to the extent that we're focused on the good guys in the situation, and real to the extent that we get all of the knowledge that anyone at the time had about the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, and the Zodiac Killer is like not even like a character in the movie. He's just... It's just information. Exactly, which is what I think it it needs to be. Because, again, never apprehended, so there is no face to put on there. Right. And that really works in its favor. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> Don't let anything bad ever happen to you guys. I think uh, there are films that do... I mean, it, it's fictional, but... Um, House of Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects were based originally on Ed Gain. Sorry, it's the only serial killer I know anything about. Um, it's one of the more um, interesting ones, I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, he's also one of the more known ones because we've been given these depictions outside of him. Right. There are so many films that we can go back to and say, based on Ed Gein. So we right. learn a little bit and we're still entertained. Yeah. And we're allowed to be entertained because it's not a direct reflection of Ed Gein. Right. But the thing is, I mean, you won't hear me stand up for Rob Zombie much anymore. But <laughs> like... House of Thousand Corpses, it's you get more of the victim's perspective of what's going on. They come into this house and you're sort of living it through them and their experience of it. And even though obviously everyone ends up loving the killers anyway because of Devil's Rejects, um, <laughs> in that film you're supposed to be more inclined to the victims and these horrific things are being done to them. And in Devil's Rejects, the sequel, you only get the killer's perspective. The victims in that film, you you don't really get to know as well, and you don't they're not really personable, and they create this big story for the killers in which you feel for them and you feel horrible when things go wrong for them. And it, I just like that it shows those two sides of the same family of killers whereas like in one they they've got all the power and you're living through the victims in the second one they're the victims on the run and you feel for them i mean i don't agree with feeling for killers but it's also i think a good contrast to make like don't forget what they've done but they're also people I, I will stand by, I think that being able to feel something for any character, real or fake, is the mark of a good character. But the context is super important, and I think for the sake of telling a good story, Devil's Rejects definitely hits its mark where, you know, we've told a good story, it's fictional, we're allowed to feel for the killers in this scenario, but we still know that what they're doing is wrong and we have backstory of house of a thousand corpses because this is a sequel film where we know just how depraved they are i was just gonna say it's the only time where rob zombie actually like does something really right and creates (laughs) these characters that you actually actually have depth and are interesting and isn't just him trying to put his wife in a movie yeah i i love me captain spaulding i gotta (laughs) rep my boy I definitely think it's interesting to have a character like Captain Spaulding in House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, because while the characters themselves are based off of that Ed Gain persona, Captain Spaulding as a murderous clown, the general populace's mind goes directly to somebody like John Wayne Gacy, who's 
iconic appearance was a murderous clown. So even if he's not directly based off of that, it just goes to show how far these case files are embedded in pop culture and how much we know just from, we can all have a baseline general understanding and we walk into these movies with a half-formed opinion already. There is a film, How to Catch a Killer, uh, which is based off of John Wayne Gacy, and it was made for TV, which I have so much respect for because that removes a lot of the gore element, that removes a lot of the fetishization of murder itself, and so much of it, like Zodiac, focuses on both the detectives and the killer. And so we have two fully formed characters that we have a psychological breakdown of real human beings that we can understand and moat with and get a full concise story that is both factual and entertaining. I don't really care for Gacy. Not that I'm afraid of clowns. I just don't. What's that? I said, well, good. I just, I don't know. I don't fuck with clowns. Just, don't care for him. Sorry, Anthony. Hey. Your whole aesthetic is circus monster. I like that. <laughs> I will take I that as a that. high compliment. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that was my intent. I just don't fuck with clowns. On the note of the made-for-TV Gacy film that I mentioned, there's a made-for-TV Charles Manson film that is apparently phenomenal and, like, the best to go off of if you want to be entertained while learning about, you know, the Manson family. But Helter Skelter uh, is a made-for-TV Charles Manson film that I personally am dying to check out after, like, all this conversation. I, I always found Manson to be super interesting because um, he is so much more of a character than any of these other fucking people. He, there's His so much to court him. case Holy is shit. absolutely berserk. Like he held nothing back. And like, you can see that this man is psychologically disturbed without giving it a second glance. Oh, a thousand percent. Did you guys see the strangers? The first one? Yes. That I, um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the home invasion, like subgenre. But I think I think um, I don't think any of us are. I think our <laughs> Christmas episode has. Uh... Yeah, I'm tired of it. Um, but I think that one did did really well because it's it's based on a true story. Um, but the entire experience is fictionalized. I'm pretty sure it was based on a situation where there was a group of people that was going around just like knocking on doors in the house, and if nobody was home or nobody was answering, they would break into the house. And this is sort of a what if scenario or. What if they did come into our house and we were actually home? I think the best way to do a movie like this that is inspired on true events is uh, to to really make it your own. I'm sure I've seen some that I wouldn't even realize were inspired by true events or based on a serial killer just because they uh, added elements of that story and of that background in, uh, to influence their movie rather than base their entire movie around it, which is again why texas chainsaw excels because it's it's not about but it is inspired by takes elements from like the term based on true events is like loosely used for films yeah i think we established it's somewhere between like 10 and 30 percent that only has to be accurate 
Yeah, for yeah. them to actually say it's based on true events. And even less than that it's inspired by. Yeah. Which oh, could yeah. be anything. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. empty now, talking about these fucking these fucking dudes. It's making me I don't know. I feel yucked out. I'm mad that I watched the Extremely Loud and Incredibly Dahmer. <laughs> Not Dahmer. It's fucking, what was it? Bundy. Bundy, Jesus Christ. Skip it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the heads up, because I was going to watch it. Um, yeah, don't worry. Because, do I mean, obviously, everybody is raving about it, so. Well, that, that's because it's, like, the hot thing right now, and people want to be talking about it. They're like, oh, yo, you, you see the, the dead, the I almost did it again. Ted Bundy. Um, it's like, yo, you, you see the the Ted Bundy thing? And it's like, no, because I don't care because it's it's done to death, no pun intended. Like, I've seen it. I've heard it a million times. Like, what more can you present? Oh, it's from uh, her uh, her memoirs. But it's not. It's it's that and it takes... Everything a... we already know. Exactly. And so, like, I got to watch a 2019 interpretation of information that was already presented to me under the guise of a movie that was presenting it in a unique way and it just didn't and so i watched this movie i went huh that guy's hot oh wait he's killing all these people ah fuck it whatever (laughs) and now i'm here talking about it like still i started the episode mad about it and i kind of tapered off for a while in the middle where we were having fun and having an honest discussion and now i'm mad again that i watched this fucking movie I think um, I'm out of air (laughs) before we get into our actual recommendations. There is one thing that I do want to recommend. Please um, save me just to showcase how much this has escalated and how much this has become the norm and how, again, I stand by my my original statement, how fetishized it's become. There's an episode of Dark Tourist. They they do an episode where they follow a Jeffrey Dahmer tour and there are tours dedicated to Jeffrey Dahmer. You can go to the locations where he stalked his kills. And, and it's mostly women. It's mostly women, and they're mostly like, into it because they're party. into him. Yeah, they had bachelorette parties going and stuff. Like It's people who are going because there is that sexual attraction to this murderer. It has become fetishized. It's the same as people who want to go to those stupid haunted houses where they torture you. Like... People seem to be into that sort of thing, and you know, that's There's definitely hard. a very Freudian sex and death mentality going on here. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I think this episode has exhausted all of us. I think this is the most visceral the three of us have become. It's the most mad episode. I've been on the podcast. I said fuck. I don't think I've done that. I might have. I probably have. <laughs> So, do you guys have any recommendations? For sure, today? fucking do, bud. So, as I said before, um, either of the town that dreaded sundowns are fine. If you haven't seen those, check those out. Uh, they have a, a similar. Whereas Zodiac is good, and it's about the people and the killer who was never caught is kind of in the background. This is the opposite, where it's like it more focuses on the killer and his killings with kind of touches on the people, but it is still entertaining. And I think it's uh, an interesting representation of those true events. But if you want to watch a movie about a a serial killer um, that is entertaining, accurate, and uh, an excellent film, watch 2003's Monster. 
about Eileen Wuornos. Um, she is a, a very interesting uh, person, or was rather, um, where she killed, I think, only six people, the first of which... I hate that we could say only. Yeah. For real people. For com- comparatively standing. In compar- in, yeah, in comparison, unfortunately, that, that is a small amount. When the, when these other folks like have have numbers in the 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 twenties thirties and those are even like in the second tier of serial killers there are serial killers in, in other countries that are, are have numbers in the hundreds and it's getting ahead of myself uh, <laughs> but uh, Eileen Wernos um it, very interesting and her first kill uh, was uh, allegedly in self defense and the guy that she had killed was a, a convicted rapist. And I was like, all right, cool. We got one. And I guess it maybe like flipped a switch in her or something. And she just kept going uh, where she was operating as a sex worker and uh, killing people along her, her travels. 2003's monster is uh Wernos as portrayed by Charlize Theron, Charlie's Theron, Charlie's angels. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, but who is also going to be the voice of Morticia Adams in the animated Adams Family that's coming up? That was my little fun fact. So there you fucking go. <laughs> this I thought was excellent as a movie. Uh, I saw it before I knew anything about Eileen Wuornos, and then growing up, finding out about her, being interested in true crime, and going back and watching it again, it holds up. It's it it's visceral, it's informative, and it's a it's a good film. So fucking check it out. It's monster. So my recommendation is called Otis. It's Otis, isn't it? Yeah, Otis is so good. Um, so it's it's hilarious, and I kind of thought it was. I mean, it's just it's one of those films that are awfully amazing, like they're terrible, but they're brilliant at the same time. Um, so it's about a serial killer who, well, a sort of. I guess he is a serial killer at that point, actually. Yeah, yeah he's a couple um, people yeah. in him. You get both sides of it. You get the victim's perspective and you get the killer's perspective. So it's going like in between her being trapped and him just going about his everyday life. Um, but what I really enjoy about it is it makes a complete mockery of him as a character. So instead of making you feel any empathy or sympathy for him, it just makes you view him as the pathetic person that he is and it not in a I feel sorry for you way just like you're pathetic what are you doing and that's how we should be viewing these people who feel it's necessary to do these things yeah I definitely agree I I completely overlooked Otis and I think Otis gets overlooked a lot in general it was a low budget film but like does its job, tells a good story. Yeah, I loved it. I had um, fun. It was on Amazon, wasn't it? I have it on DVD, so... Oh, okay, that's where we watched it. <laughs> I also like about Otis the arc of the protagonist, the main victim, because uh, she's a great final girl. Oh, yeah. Um, And it really shows the psychological breakdown of somebody who is in this victim situation who's tortured and broken. Um, but at no point does it really cross that boundary where like we're rooting for Otis. No. And it's not, it's also not so deep and severe that you feel like psychologically scarred from it. it you're just sort of 
You it, can it's not laugh and have a good time. Yeah. yeah. I, I was talking about how much fun I was having. Yeah. So <laughs> it is a comedy at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a Dark much, comedy. much lighter than everything we've talked about so far. Yeah. Um so I guess for my recommendation, um, I'm still going to stay in the grounds of reality. I'm still going to stay in the grounds of horror, but I'm taking a break from killers and murders and whatever. Um, I want to recommend Devil at the Crossroads, which <laughs> is a Robert Johnson documentary. I think oh. it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, we looked like, by it yesterday. If you like cold cases and mysteries and real life history with a very supernatural dark element to it there is no more mysterious life than robert johnson's and like we would not have the music we have today without robert johnson um his life is shrouded in mystery his death as well um it's a very real sell your soul to the devil kind of story um and i i just think that this 45 minute documentary i i learned so much about a topic that i've been you know fascinated by for years and just like they bring in people who really know their stuff um they talk to people who you know have ties to robert johnson's real life and i don't think you're going to get any better information about him and what we do know for a fact about his life and death uh, than that. You guys ready for your fear of the day? Yeah. Sociophobia. Don't do me like that. Sociophobia. Fear of people. I guess I'm fear of people. Is that not correct? No. Uh, it's a fear that Zach Efron will be your hot next door neighbor. Um, no, that's The Neighbors, uh, starring Zach Efron and Seth Rogen. I think it's just called Neighbors, so. Oh. Um, it is the fear of being socially evaluated. It's the fear oh. of being judged in a social social situation. Isn't that just anxiety? Isn't everyone got Yeah, that? I mean, I guess. I got sociophobia real bad. <laughs> to the point where I have to take a fucking pill every day. <laughs> Which is, you know, honestly, that's fine. And I'm fine. Mental health is an important issue that I feel like not enough people are talking about. Everybody's talking about how they have issues with their mental health and not enough people are talking about what they're doing about it. And I'm fucking taking mine to the bank or whatever an inspiring statement would be. (laughs) I'm glad you're kicking its ass and doing what you gotta. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. Sorry we had to get real real on this one, but I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. See you in hell.